So we are sitting here in Eitzen, Minnesota at beautiful Hokioji. And this weekend we've been talking about the Mountains and Waters Sutra by the Zen teacher Dogen, um, who is the um, founder of Soto Zen Buddhism, the school that we practice. Um, this sutra is from the Shobogenzo. The Japanese name is San Suikyo. And before I begin, I just want to say um, that this land, these mounds and waters or hills and rivers, uh, might remember that there were people here who loved this land long before the colonizers appeared. And that this is the traditional homeland of our indigenous relatives, the Ocheti Sakowin, Sok, and Meskwaki. And we acknowledge that this is stolen land. And I invite myself and all of you to explore what we can do to repair this harm. We also acknowledge our spiritual family from the past through India, China, and Japan, and our Indian and Chinese spiritual ancestors, immigrants to the United States. And also more in the near past and right now, um, those who have been practicing Soto Zen Buddhism in this place for over 40 years. So I would say, I think probably Yuho will say something after we sign off about making a contribution to Clouds and Water. So I just wanna say also, I hope people consider making a contribution to Hokyoji. And any of those contributions are gonna support the continuation of this teaching. So because the Mountains and Waters uh, Sutra is a long sutra, we've only been studying excerpts of it. And if you want more, I really recommend this book. It's called uh, Mountains and Waters Sutra, A Practitioner's Guide to Dogen San Suikyo, and it's by Shohaku Okamura. So it's the sutra and Shohaku's commentary, and it's very, very lovely. Not just lovely, enlightening. <laughs> so this will be a little bit of a repeat for some of you in Sishin, but I want to get everyone kind of up to speed. So the sutra begins, mountains and waters right now are the actualization of the ancient Buddha way. So one thing this is saying is that the mountains and waters, actually this and the whole sutra, what Dogen is teaching is the mountains and waters themselves are the sutra. So it's not a sutra by Dogen about mountains and waters. It's really the teachings of the mountains and waters. So the teachings of what we would consider insentient beings. And it's asking us, this whole teaching is asking us, can we open to the view that our limited human view is not the ultimate view. So I'm gonna read the whole first section or paragraph. I don't know if Dogen divided them into paragraphs, but Shohaku did and I did differently. So anyway, here's what I'm calling the first paragraph. Mounds and waters right now are the actualization of the ancient Buddha way. 
each abiding in its phenomenal expression realizes completeness. Because mountains and waters have been active since before the empty eon, they are alive at this moment. Because they have been the self since before form arose, they are emancipation realization. Because mountains are high and broad, the way of riding the clouds is always reached in the mountains. The inconceivable power of soaring in the wind comes freely from the mountains. So we can also say that mountains, waters, grasses, trees, homes, streets, all things are the actualization of the ancient Buddha way. All things teach the Dharma. In another writing by Dogen, the Jiju Yuzumai or Self-Fulfillment Samadhi, uh, we hear, because earth, grasses and trees, fences and walls, tiles and pebbles, all things, carry out Buddha work. Therefore, everyone receives the benefit of wind and water movement caused by this functioning, and all are imperceptibly helped by the wondrous and incomprehensible influence of Buddha to actualize the enlightenment at hand. So what, this, what these words are pointing to is how everything is helping us. And in turn, uh, we are helping everything. The sutra goes on, each abiding in its phenomenal expression realizes completeness. <laughs> So each of these mountains and waters, grasses, trees, people, building streets, each abiding in its phenomenal expression realizes completeness. So this means that the mountain can just be the mountain. Water can just be water. We can just be who we actually are. And we are complete. we might not feel complete we may feel that there's something missing i think a lot of us feel that there's something missing a lot of the time some little thing or a big thing but even if we feel that way completeness is still present so this doesn't mean that our limited view is the same as the ultimate view but our limited view what we consider as incomplete um, is included in the ultimate view, who we are and how we see things, who we are with all our imperfections is not separate from the ultimate. Because mountains and waters have been active since before the empty eon, they are alive at this moment because they have been the self since before form arose, they are emancipation realization. So at first glance, we might wonder, how can mountains and waters have been active since before the beginning of time, since before the Big Bang? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so, but what this is pointing to is the eternal quality of mountains and water. So even before any concept of time arose, this is the eternal quality. 
the quality of the mountains and waters that's beyond birth and death, even beyond the birth of the universe as we know it, beyond birth and death. And this quality of beyond birth and death is also a quality that we share with the mountains and waters. So early in the sutra, and we talked about this a little bit a few days ago, um, uh, Dogen talks about the mountains walking. And this idea of the mountains walking is pointing to activity and impermanence, even of mountains. And this sutra teaches that this impermanence rests on the eternal or ultimate view. So to understand, one way to understand the ultimate view, to understand the quality beyond birth and death, Dogen invites us to consider views other than our own. So even if they're not the ultimate view, let's consider views other than our own. He writes, all beings do not see mountains and waters in the same way. Some beings see water as a jeweled ornament, but they do not regard jeweled ornaments as water. Some beings see water as wondrous blossoms, but they do not use blossoms as water. Hungry ghosts see water as raging fire or pus and blood. Dragons or fish see water as a palace or a pavilion. <clears throat> Thus, the views of all beings are not the same. So this might, you know, at first glance, it's like, well, yeah, I get that. That makes sense. Different beings see things different way. But can we really deeply understand that? Deeply take in that there are different ways that different beings see things? And then what are the practical implications of that or applications? So we know that even as humans, we have uh, different views different, very different ways of seeing things. So I think the practice can be, first we start with really understanding ourselves and we kind of practice this a little bit with like just paying attention to our walking. Like what is it? What does it feel like when we're walking on different surfaces or at different speeds? Um, so really understand um, ourselves and then, um, knowing that our reactions are going to be different from others. So we might say, you know, well, of course I can't see water as a palace. I'm not a fish or a dragon. I just don't see it that way. Um, but what I might do is listen to the fish and the dragons to hear their views. So I might listen to other humans who have a different experience than I do and have some humility about my own views and experience. For example, if we're cisgender, it may be very hard to see from the point of view of a transgender person. But we can listen and try. And if we're white, it really can be hard to see our own white privilege or white fragility and to really see what it's like to be in the world as a person of color. And so it behooves us to listen to others. And I think through this teaching, we're invited to consider all the different views and thoroughly understand our own view. And then we can open to a very large view. It's sort of a little bit of a 
gateway or baby steps in the different views. And then, of course, sometimes you see the different views and you still aren't opening to the ultimate. So that's, but you know, still it's pretty good to see the different views. The sutra continues. The Buddha said, all things are ultimately liberated. There is nowhere that they abide. You should know that even though all things are liberated and not tied to anything, they abide in their own phenomenal expression. So even though there is emptiness, oneness, boundlessness, this ultimate view, each thing is its own thing. It's not just a bowl of mush. That's my favorite metaphor. <laughs> Comes from good night moon, the comb and the brush and the bowl full of mush. It's not everything mushed together. Each thing is its own thing. Water is water. A mountain is a mountain. You are you and I am I. And how can we let go of cling to these particular views and at the same time, take very good care of the particulars? So we're invited to take care of the particulars while remembering that all things are ultimately liberated and free and not limited to our ideas of them. Dogen says, the path of water is not noticed by water, but is realized by water. It is not unnoticed by water, but is realized by water. So whether noticed or unnoticed, the path of water is realized. Whether we know it or not, we are Buddha nature. Shohaku Okamura writes in his commentary, whether knowing or not knowing, water is simply water and functions as such. Zen Master Nanquan said, the way is not concerned with knowing or not knowing. Our actual function, activity, and practice is more important than whether we know it or not. This is a critical point of Dogen's teaching. I was really struck by this. The actual function, activity, and practice is more important than whether we know it or not. Because Many of us really, really want to know. I think it's pretty human. Like, I want to know. That's why we can get so addicted to social media or emails or, you know, whatever pops up. It's like, oh, something new. I have to know. What is it? I want to know what's going on. So, and, you know, the wanting to know, it's not bad. It can be a motivation for practice understand this life and this universe and what's going on so that's that's fine so it can be a motivation for wholesome activity it can be something impetus that actually helps that's helpful to ourselves and to all beings but if we get stuck in the wanting to know then we miss the actual vibrant reality that is happening so it's sort of contradictory by trying to want to understand, we actually miss what's happening if we get stuck there. Dogen says, 
the existence of water is not concerned with past, present, future, or the phenomenal world. Yet water is actualization of the fundamental point. And Shohaku says about this, actualization of the fundamental point is the intersection of the present moment and eternity. This is the reality of our life. So we're, I mean, it's not even a line, but if we think of it as present moment, eternity, that's the intersection. That's where we are always. Dogen says, where Buddha ancestors reach, water never fails to appear. Because of this, Buddha ancestors always take up water and make it their body and mind, make it their thought. So Dogen is not just talking about water here, but this is a teaching of the insentient. Not concerned with past, future, present, or the phenomenal world. And Buddha ancestors take this up, are completely connected to this. So I still didn't quite understand that, and Shohaku's commentary was helpful here. He said, when Buddhas and ancestors or bodhisattvas think, they think based on water. And by water, he says, which is dharma nature. So instead of thinking based on preferences or thinking based uh, caused by karmic consciousness, bodhisattvas use their karmic consciousness as a manifestation of eternal reality. So it's like, you know, water as a metaphor then for the eternal reality. And then basing the activity, basing even the thinking on that. So we can do this too. And partly this is having our own view and letting our own view be infused with a big view, uh, such that our minds and bodies, thoughts and actions are liberated. So when our view then becomes infused with the big view, then it also sort of changes the way in which our view goes forward into the world or our activity goes forward into the world. So then it can be bodhisattva activity, the activity that's in the service of saving all beings, including ourselves. Dogen writes, it is not only that there is water in the world, but there is a world in water. And it is not just in water. There is also a world of sentient beings in clouds. There is a world of sentient beings in the air. There is a world of sentient beings in fire. There is a world of sentient beings on earth. There is a world of sentient beings in the phenomenal world. There is a world of sentient beings in a blade of grass. There is a world of sentient beings in one staff. Wherever there is a world of sentient beings, there is a world of Buddha ancestors. Even in a drop of water, innumerable Buddha lands appear. So we can get a glimpse of this in nature 
when we unexpectedly find a world of beings somewhere. So the other day I was walking the path from the residence to the Zendo. And I noticed that um, one of the little solar um, lights that's stuck in the ground had fallen over. So I picked it up and tried to push it back in where it was. It wouldn't go. So then I lifted it up and moved it and put it in another place. And as I put it in, I looked, and then I looked down at my hand and it was covered with ants <laughs> because there was a world of beings right in the place where I either was in the place where I lifted it up or the place I pressed it down. I'm not sure <laughs> one of those places, but it was like there was this whole world that had been invisible for me every time I walked back and forth on that path, which was a lot. But then because I, you know, touched into it, then <laughs> there was this world. We can all also just even use our imagination to know that it, it, even in our own bodies, there's a world of microscopic beings. <laughs> so that's the kind of science and nature interpretation. But there's also an interpretation that's broader that Shohaku shares with us, namely that each element of the universe and the universe as a whole permeate each other. So that's the world within worlds. So the world of ants that I found could be a metaphor for how the universe and all the elements in it interbe. The final section of the sutra goes like this. There are mountains hidden in treasures. There are mountains hidden in swamps. There are mountains hidden in the sky. There are mountains hidden in mountains. There are mountains hidden in hiddenness. This is complete understanding. An ancient Buddha said, mountains are mountains, waters are waters. These words do not mean mountains are mountains. They mean mountains are mountains. Therefore, investigate mountains thoroughly. When you investigate mountains thoroughly, this is the work of the mountains. Such mountains and waters of themselves become wise persons and sages. So here, after talking mostly about waters for a good section of the sutra, Dogen returns us to the image of mountains. Um, and this, the first part of that, mountains hidden in treasures, mountain hidden, hidden in swamps, mountains hidden in the sky, mountains hidden in mountains, mountains hidden in hiddenness. And then when he adds the line, this is complete understanding, I just sort of laughed. <laughs> so it's very poetic, but also kind of mystifying. And I'm actually going to read something from Shohaku about this passage that can help us. So Shohaku writes, hidden is the translation of Zo in Shobogenzo. In the case of Shobogenzo, Zo means storehouse or treasury. Hidden could mean something is stored. A mountain is hidden within the mountain. We are hidden in ourselves. Trees are hidden in the trees. So it's like, it's sort of like the ultimate and particular merging, like how that happens. Um, 
he says, when we are really one with the mountain, we are hidden within the mountain. The mountain is hidden within the mountain and the mountain is hidden within ourselves. It's not an idea, it is our practice. Within our practice, for example, chopping vegetables or cleaning rooms, Buddha is hidden or treasured. Within Buddha, we are hidden or treasured. So I noticed that Shohaku didn't address the mountains hidden in hiddenness. <laughs> <laughs> So, but what I think it is, is that Dogen just wants to cover all the bases, like everywhere, even in your idea of hiddenness. The treasure store of the mountains is everywhere. And we have an ancient Buddha said, mountains are mountains, waters are waters. And then confoundingly, these words do not mean mountains are mountains. They mean mountains are mountains. What the hell? <laughs> so one thing, if people are familiar with the first there was a mountain and there was no mountain and then there was a mountain, the, the idea of um, uh, at first we just see things like as individual things. And then we can come to a big view and see that everything is interconnected and interpenetrates each other. And so in that way, it's not separate. And so there is no separate mountain. So we don't see a mountain that way. We don't see a mountain at all. We just see, I guess, a bowl of mush at that point in time. <laughs> but then if, if we're lucky, we don't get stuck there. And then we see the mountain again. But that second time of seeing the mountain is different because it's from this so I think that's one idea of what Dogen might have been getting at. Um, and Shohaku mentions that. But he also mentions that this might be Dogen pointing to the practice of Shikantansa, just sitting. So in that sense, um, we could say, Dogen is saying, the mountains are just the mountains. We don't need to add anything extra. We don't need to add an idea of the mountains. We can just let the mountains be. I hope you know when I say mountains here, I'm talking about all of us and everything. <laughs> but we can just let the mountains be, let the mountains do their activity. So that is true for all of us, just sitting, just doing, just being. Shohaku writes, just be attentive and put our whole energy into whatever we are doing right now. When we are sitting in the zendo, we just sit 100%, nothing else. And yet, there's another line, a couple lines. Therefore, investigate mountains thoroughly. When you investigate mountains thoroughly, this is the work of the mountains. So we need to be careful with the just sitting or the just doing. Shohaku says, this attitude becomes a poison when we can say that wherever we are, Buddha is hidden in war and vermin and selling drugs or whatever. If just doing lacks the context of Dogen's teaching, it can be used to justify killing in war or many other harmful contexts. So this is not just, or, or this is, so Dogen isn't saying that. He's not saying the just doing is about that. He's teaching 
this attitude in the context of mountains and waters as the true reality of all things. In the context of Buddha's teaching, this is how we can avoid harm. So this is where the practice of the precepts comes in, the guidelines for ethical living, and that they need to be included in the practice of just doing or just being. So this is what is it means to investigate the mountains thoroughly, investigate the just doing, investigate what's happening is also, um, I would say, is our practice. And when that happens, when we thoroughly investigate just doing and investigate the mountains of our lives, allow all the moments of our lives to manifest through the Buddhist teachings, then as Dogen says in the last line, such mountains and waters of themselves become wise persons and sages. So in other words, the true reality of all beings manifests as people of the way. The true reality of all beings manifests in us as people of the way. And no one is excluded from this. So our family members, friends, co-workers who may not be practitioners are also included. And then the beauty of interconnection is realized. So I was worried my talk would be too long, and it was not. <laughs> so we actually have time for comments and questions. Um, maybe we will... Let's start from the people here at Hokyoji. If you have a comment or question, then we'll go to Zoom. Yes, Okan. I'm curious about the empty eon. I doubt people in Dogen's time knew about the Big Bang. No, they didn't. <laughs> so was there any uh, explanation of what he meant by that? Well, people didn't know about the Big Bang, but you know, it's also interesting that a lot of Buddhist teachings seem to refer to things that they didn't know about, but somehow, like other worlds, other, you know, I mean, they didn't know like that there were galaxies out there, but they somehow did know. So, I mean, someone had an imagination that there was something before time began. And the, so I think that's probably what he was referring to. I just use Big Bang because that's our language we understand that but yeah thank you welcome yes and when you brought up ethics it would also came to mind for me was um our vow to care for others and care for ourselves and sometimes we say save all beings but that's also a this is within that context as well Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah, save is a little, you know, funny. Sometimes people say free, like free mm-hmm. from suffering. So I, I, I do like taking care. Liberation. Yeah, yeah. So maybe one more person from here and then, yes. When you were speaking about investigate the mountains, it suddenly occurred to me that the mountains need to be open to being investigated. Mm-hmm. And so that... <laughs> The mountains might hold themselves out and say, please come on in and hang out, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and so there's an invitation from the mountain or mm-hmm. anybody mm-hmm. to yes. be investigated. Yes. Okay. 
Um, let's turn it over to the people at Clouds physically, so that Zoom, and then we'll open it to people on Zoom from home. So I'm going to mute myself and let the clouds uh, let clouds take over to um, modulate that that. I don't think we have any burning questions here. Are there people on Zoom who would like to speak? <clears throat> Just go ahead and unmute if you want to speak on Zoom. Okay, we're going to come back to this room then. And and if a Zoom person, uh, if you decide you want to, you know, please just uh, either unmute or raise your hand. I'll try to watch the screen as well. Questions or comments? Yes. And I'm so. Can, maybe we could. I don't know if we can move the camera or not. It's too much trouble. Might be too much trouble. We'll see. Uh, Thank you for that for that talk. Um, and kind of on the topic of, of taking care of in, in different views, I've been reflecting a lot about the use of, of imagination in this practice, right? If we want to liberate all beings and take good care, how to not only like when I hear view, I I, I immediately go to my intellect um, and my practice has been, can I imagine? what another person's lived experience and try to feel that in my body, touching my own being or my own pain or my own hurt to not, and, and to get a sense. And, and that has been a powerful practice for me, especially as a white body person, I'll never know that experience, but I can use my own lived experience to, to kind of to act from that place kind of taking great care just naturally emerges. So thank you for reminding me of that in your teachings. Yeah, I'll say that also reminds me on the um, the first the first day of session, I talked about an experience that I had where when I first studied this sutra, which was at Zen Mountain Monastery in upstate New York. Um, Dado Lori Roshi was still alive at that time and he was teaching and um, I fell in love with the sutra. But anyway, um, I was there with like eight other residents who were there for the whole month. And then there were the permanent residents who were there. You know, I don't remember how many of them were at the time, maybe like 25. And then different people came in and out through the month for different things. But um, those of us there for the month were invited at the very beginning. We had kind of an assignment, which was to consider a point of view of another being. And it could be an insentient being because we were studying the teachings of the insentient. That I think was the title of the Mums and Waters Sutra study that was one of the weeks. And so we were invited to just completely be another, you know, like get that in our own body from another being um, and then present something at the end so whether a skit or a poem or artwork or something like that 
they were really into art there, which was neat. Um, so I decided I want to be a rock. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I, I shared with those of you here, like how I really tried to get a point of view of a rock it was really hard. And I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't get it, couldn't get it, just couldn't get it. And um, finally, on the last day, something like maybe because I've been trying so hard, I just sort of like, in a way, kind of like there was a giving up or a letting go. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I wrote a little poem that went like, uh, it's not that rocks don't crumble and turn to sand. It's just that they don't worry about it. Maybe that's the point of view of a rock. It's my imagination. Um, but I also um, came to realize that um, that the way I was going about it was like taking my position and like trying to move to the other position without first sort of opening a little bit to an ultimate view or something spacious. So I think that helps our imagination when we have our view, see our view, and then open to something spacious like the letting go of that and then we could move into seeing from another view so but yeah i think our imagination we we have as humans imagination why not use it yes there is often more often than not it's when i'm in session that i'll change my perspective a little bit like i will <laughs> Thank you, Kate. <laughs> I'll try to make it brief. <laughs> my perspective changes and I open up and like my edges soften. And I see trees, especially trees differently. I mean, and I had the experience yesterday, I told you about it, but it just I had this feeling, you know, there's a tree right outside the Zendo. They've done some trimming on it and when I looked out the window at the tree I was struggling a little and the I it looked like there was a face in the tree and like just exuding like love and care it was amazing so I mean I, I think that it's not so anyway it's just I think it's really I think there's so many levels and then of course right you know doesn't stay but anyway every once in a while I get a glimpse Well, Lynn, thank you. Um, I've had some real openings in terms of the timing of the session, and um, I've had over 40 years of practicing imaging what it feels like to be with somebody else. So it's really the as a therapist, as a therapist, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm a, a counseling psychologist, and um, and and I've had. Uh, about, let's see, it would be about 28 years now of imaging, um, being inside of what my adopted daughter is like. And why we continue to be in crisis, even though she has come a long way. And I, I think this teaching is, um, I mean, the teaching really works for me. It's, I mean, because I'm really a water person. And um, what I haven't done well, you know, solidify myself 
in that separation. And so even recently, you know, so it's stepping, you know, I recognize it. So I can step in to somebody's, and in this case, it's a person's chaos, and, but I don't, I don't caretake. I don't go there. I don't do anything. I did. I did. Um, and then I go, and so I talked to Kyoko about this a little bit yesterday, but it's just an amazing um, variation of what you're saying in terms of the need for that sense of mountainness and yet the fluidity, which I have always sort of prized myself as because sort of came natural, but I can see, I know also how that happened. And I'm not saying anything about self-righteousness. It's just that, wow, I've, I know this. Um, I made an environmental move to try to settle into that difference. And um, I've already kind of got caught someplace. And so to come back to the solidification of a mountain, but I do have a lot of flow with that river image and yet the spaciousness and vastness. So thank you for listening. Can we have a bell? Just to take a pause to receive that. Thank you. So we are out of time. And what I would like to say is um, thank you, everyone, for being here and for being here, wherever you are. Um, so we'll do the closing chant from here. And then we're going to sign off from Hokioji. But you can stay on the call because uh, Yuho, the Eno at Clouds, will have some closing announcements. Um, and, or, and, and there'll be a, a all-ages precept ceremony there, which I hope people will participate in. Um, so thank you.